welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. I'd like to thank you for joining us for our podcast. My name is Kevin Perrigan, and I will be your host. Today, we'll be discussing how a new contemporary church can make an impact in their community. We have with us today Mark Love. He is the pastor at Journey Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mark, thank you for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Mark, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I am the pastor of Journey Church, and I have a wife and four kids. Uh, They range in age from 5 to 18. Our oldest is about to graduate high school, which we're excited and proud of him Um, and looking forward to a new season of life as our kids are getting older, or at least most of them. Uh, I also own a business where we do internet marketing for organizations, nonprofits, businesses, churches, and um, do any number of tasks online for them. You met your wife at camp, right? We both worked at Camp Bioka in Sevierville, Tennessee. Uh, we met there and both worked on the waterfront. So we were at the pool and the lake um, doing different things. And after the first year at camp, then we decided to go have a date. And then that eventually led to where we are today. But yeah, we had a great experience at camp. Now, you haven't always been voca- uh, bivocational. You, uh, after graduation seminary, you went full-time as a pastorate. And you've been at a couple churches, right? Right. So what led you, and you you started a journey, uh, and that was just a vision that you had. Uh, Share a little bit about that. Yeah, well, when we left seminary, uh, I pastored a church in Washington, D.C., and then we moved back to East Tennessee, and I pastored a great church here in East Tennessee. And we were there for about six years, uh, but I felt what God was telling me to do as a pastor was to be more focused on those outside the church than inside the church. Over a period of a couple of years, uh, we tried different things and talked to the leadership of the church that we were, uh, we were serving, and it just became clear that some of the ways I felt we were supposed to impact our community could be detrimental to that church. Some of the changes they just weren't ready for. And so after praying for a while, we decided that we just needed to launch out and start something. Um, After a couple of years of praying and planning and just trying to figure out what that was, uh, the church gave us their blessing. Uh, We still have a great relationship with that church, Um, but we had no money like most church plants and we didn't have a big um, funding source. So we knew that that meant I would be bivocational. Uh, now, when you first started your church plant, you you had some funds to help you. Would that did that still make you bivocational at the very beginning? Were you just pouring all your time into the church? For the first year, we had been given some gifts from some friends. Um, we had a little bit of money coming in from the church that we had just left, and then in oh, in the next year or so, we started getting some funding from the denomination. Um, before that time, basically, what we had saved up is what we lived on. Uh, Deidre, my wife, worked part-time, and so that helped as well. But for the most part, we were kind of burning through our savings uh, until I could start taking some salary. Um, And so for the first year, year and a half, everything went into just getting the church going. 
you know, sourcing everything we needed, paying for leases and Mm -hmm. offices and things like that. Uh, But I've been bivocational really after that first year until, until now. Yeah. Different roles, different jobs until I started this marketing business about six years ago. Now, you haven't been in one location uh, the whole time, have no, you? No, no. This is our third location. And was was that an easy move? Some were easier than others. We originally started in a movie theater. It was a brand new theater in our city. It was huge. It was, uh, you know, had the new smell, everything. And we were there for about a year and a half. But we would have to set up have church and then tear down and get out before a movie started. Yeah. So we would start the day on Sunday morning, about four in the morning. And then we would have church at 10 at 11. Um, we would wrap up. And by 12, we had to be out because the box office was open and people were starting to come into mm-hmm. the theater. We did that for about a year and a half yeah. and it was a great time yeah. in our church, but it was exhausting. Yeah. So, so that move, when we moved to our, our first kind of permanent location, uh, it was hard to move, but at the same time, we were so glad not to be getting up at four in the morning mm-hmm. every morning. And then we were there for about six years in that location, and it was a very commercialized area. And we wanted to be more in a residential area that we could be in the middle of where people live, not just where they would go to to shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved to a, one of the largest residential areas in Chattanooga mm-hmm. um, that have uh, a large population of young families and just young people, college-age kids, um, people with very young kids. Um, we're in an area that has more apartments than any other part of our city. Yeah. And so we just saw our ability to reach into the community mm-hmm. just be a lot more impactful here than we were there. So each move was difficult. Each move was expensive. Every new facility requires outfitting and you've got to make it work. Um, Churches have unique needs. I don't think I realized that until we launched a church because most pastors come into a facility that was already created with all the needs they have. More parking, better air conditioners, um, all the fire marshal requirements for for getting people out of the building. There. Churches have really specific needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were all difficult, but all exciting and all had a purpose. So they were hard, but overall the move was, were, they, they were so positive and we benefited from them. So it was worth it. Well, I know that uh, I've been to each of your locations and have been along with you through this. And I remember when you all were to movie theater, something I always noticed that when you all, as soon as the uh, uh, worship was over uh, that Sunday morning, all the congregation or seemed like, or a large group would uh, start picking up equipment, loading mm-hmm. up in yeah, yeah. in the one trailer you had that you'd haul everything around, and it was uh, it was pretty amazing. You know, yeah. they, they didn't. I didn't hear any complaints. You might have had some, maybe, but I didn't hear any complaints. They knew what they had to do, right. but, but they all did it together and they had a good time with it. We we were excited to be doing it. It was different at the time. There were not many church plants in Chattanooga. Now there's there are church plants all over the place, but at the time there were not many at all, and so they were excited to be a part of it. Everybody chipped in. It was great for guys that didn't have a place to serve in the church. They didn't, if they didn't want to serve in children's ministry or you know, if they didn't want to serve as a greeter or something like that, it was a great way for them to be involved and feel like they were contributing substantially. Um, and it was a lot of the guys that normally would just kind of slip in and slip out, they were heavily involved at that time. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. It was hard, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, but you're in a great location right now. 
And, and, uh, and of course, I know you all have had to work on the, you're, you're building some and, and you're kind of in a, uh, this is more of an office complex, I guess, but it fits so well for mm-hmm. you guys. And uh, the Lord just, I, I can tell the Lord brought this specific uh, section of this apartment complex in this, this great area for mm-hmm. you that fits very well. Well, yeah. And interestingly enough, this used to be a movie theater. So we okay. started in a movie theater, moved to a warehouse, and now we're in a renovated what used to be a movie theater uh, where one of the theaters is still active and that's where we have worship, but the rest have been, the floors have been leveled and been have, you know, they create spaces for events and rooms for the kids and small groups and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting that we're kind of returning back to the theater. Right. Um, mindset, even though it doesn't really look like a theater now. Right. Well, tell me a little bit about Journey, uh, because there's some uniqueness about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you're very uh, connected to your community. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, our goal for starting a church was to reach people that didn't go to church. And of course, a lot of people say that, but that was our purpose in starting. At the time, our county had over a thousand churches in it. And there was no need for another church. Mm -hmm. But there weren't a lot of churches that really were geared to say, we're going to go after those that just don't want to go to church. Mm -hmm. I don't think we really understood 11 years ago (laughs) what that meant. We thought we did, but I don't think we really understood what it would look like, what it would take, and what how the church would function if it was filled with people that weren't used to going to church. Uh, so we have always been focused on being outside of the doors of our facility. Mm-hmm. Our very first project before we started was to help on a Habitat for Humanity house. Mm-hmm. And we had seen some uh, cool shirts that another church had made that just said on the back, um, the church has left the building. And that's been somewhat of our mantra over the years. Uh, So we're very active in serving outside the walls of our church. We'll generally go once a month and have some kind of a service project. Um, Our last one was working in a couple of ladies' homes, um, older ladies that had lost their husbands and just needed some work done around their homes. Mm -hmm. And we had, we took about, we took 32 folks with us for our last work day. Mm At the beginning of the year, there was a a home we had worked with over Christmas that was just in disrepair, a a family just in poverty, and uh, had a trailer on their property. It was about to burn down, fall apart, Mm -hmm. uh, just trash everywhere. It was just a terrible environment. And Mm -hmm. so um, one of our members developed a relationship with that family over time. And so we got to be a part of several other churches that came together and cleaned up the yard, hauled off all the stuff that just made the house feel junky, corrected some some of the problems with the house that were safety hazards and are in the process of um, finding them a new home um, and rebuilding some of the stuff on their property so that they can use it and they can feel proud about it. Yeah. Uh, it was a f- multi-generational family. I think they have five, nine family members living in this wow. one trailer. And so we had the opportunity to do that. We just look for opportunities to be involved in the community. Yeah. Our summer activities, we stop around this time of year. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, we did all of our Wednesday night children's stuff at a local park mm-hmm. where we would invite kids from the area because there's so many young families in this area. We would invite them. They were just playing at the park. And so they would come hang out with us and yeah. we would you know, eat popsicles and read them a Bible story, play some games, do a craft. Some of the st- same stuff we would do at our church, but we did it out with, um, with the community. And that went great until... <laughs> 
<laughs> until the weather was about 95 or 100 degrees outside yeah, yeah. and no one was at the park. But, um, and we'll do some block parties here and there. Um, we host a car show. Um, we call it Cars and Coffee. Uh, we, we host that about three or four times a year. And mm-hmm. we'll have about 100 to 150 cars come. And, wow. and then people will just walk out of the neighborhoods and just to meet people. We have no goal. We don't go around evangelizing everybody, but it is an opportunity to build relationships. And Mm -hmm. through those relationships, we hope that we earn a place that we can, you know, really share the gospel with them and then tell them about Christ. So there are lots of things that we're doing in that area. There's an interesting movement happening in Chattanooga, of which we're just a small part, and where churches are seeing the need to not just be their own unique facility and program, but a need to begin connecting with each other. And some of the exciting things we're doing, what I consider exciting, is uh, seeing some of our churches come together. We have two churches in our immediate vicinity that we are beginning to work together to provide some services um, that this area doesn't have. Uh, several areas of our city have you know, food banks, and they have social services. They have people that can help them you know, get bus cards and get to places they need to go, do job training and things like that. But this area does not, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, even though it's got such a huge population, there most of those services are outside of this area. Yeah. So we're working with a couple of other churches. One is a, a Methodist church and another one is an Anglican church. Um, all of us have the goal of impacting our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all about the same size mm-hmm. and none of us can really undertake this on our own. So we've been meeting together and praying together for months now and began talking about how do we how do we do something here? Uh, and so we're working on a combined food pantry between our churches, mm-hmm. a, a widow's ministry that reaches out to widows within our community and um, take care of some of their basic needs, build relationships with them and let them know the church is here for them and with them. We are looking for ways to provide some ride sharing for those that need to get from place to place, because there is no transit system in in this part of the city. There are no buses through here. So there are lots of ways that we're trying to come together and do that. We're also seeing a number of ethnic churches, white, Asian, African-American, that are not just wanting to work together with each other, but are wanting to kind of span that racial divide that is such a difficult conversation in our country right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've been doing some combined Bible studies with pastors of all different churches and ethnic backgrounds mm-hmm. talking about race mm-hmm. and how do we how do we move forward on this issue of race. Um, so we develop a relationship with one church in particular, and uh, it's an African-American church downtown. Uh, the pastor is just a dynamic guy, and he is committed to seeing the church reach the community and committed to being the church. And uh, so we are going to be hosting this fall an event where their church, which is a little bit larger than our church, um, but is somewhat similar in size, they're gonna we're going to get together with them and we're going to host an event where we're not just putting a panel up to talk about race, but we're going to put members of our church and members of their church at tables. And then we're going to lead basically a discussion about race at the tables Hmm. between our congregation members. And I don't know how that's going to work out, um, but I'm pretty excited to see what happens. We're going to follow that up with a combined um, community event where we go out and serve together. 
Hmm. So their members, our members are out serving together. And our goal is not to, our goal is not to do an, an event or to have a photo op moment, but to begin building relationships between our churches ongoing right. and demonstrate what it looks like for the church to be united. And in an area and in a time where race is such a dividing piece, if we can demonstrate unity within the church, mm-hmm. multiculturally, multiracially, you know, just believe that that is, that is honoring of Christ honoring of his high priestly prayer that we would be united and be one just to see, you know, he and the father were one and it could be a great testimony to our community and change that conversation. So we're seeing some incredible things happening in our city, which we're just a piece of, but we get, we're being a part of it. And I'm very excited about those. Well, that's awesome. Well, now tell me about, I know that with all this comes all kinds of uh, frustrations you may deal with. Oh no! So no what, frustrations. What what is <laughs> what is some difficulties that you run into, especially maybe plugging your church into a, a common you know frustration, plugging your church into uh, some events like this, or just in general. Well, you know, I don't know that we, I think, I think all these are in formational stages. We're beginning to take steps. We're beginning to see some success. I don't know that we've yet reached frustrations in those areas. But of course, if you're in ministry for any amount of time, you know things are going to go wrong. And people you hope are going to champion what you consider a good thing may decide it just doesn't fit with what they want to do in their life or they don't want to spend the time on it. We're not there yet, but we probably will be. You know, there's there's always an ongoing frustration that if you dream big dreams and you hope for big things, they always take longer than you think they're going to take. They always cost more money than you have. They always cost you more emotionally, physically, relationally than you really want to pay when you're dreaming the big idea. Mm-hmm. But, you know, part of that is where calling comes in to feel like, well, we've got to do this even if it's hard. So I, I would say I don't know that we've reached those frustrations yet, but we will. You know, there's always the frustration when you think you're doing something really good and you think everyone's going to be a part of it and involved with it. Like we're going to do a work day and it's, you know, the best thing ever. And you encourage and you promote and you say, let's go out and let's make a difference in our community. And if a handful of people show up, it can be discouraging. But, you know, I would say we are just pushing forward and uh, believing that this is good at whatever scale it happens uh, and just praying that this if if this is what God wants to happen that he'll he'll cause it to happen and so we're just in faith praying for it and hoping for it and working towards it and we'll I guess we'll see what happens yeah well obviously your passion is to impact people's lives for Christ mm, and, yes and, and and that's the full focus of your church it has been from, from the very beginning right uh, well yes to impact people for Christ is yeah that's such a multifaceted thing yes <laughs> that is our passion and what we want to do. And, and I, might even, I might even go so far as just to say our passion is to be the church as we read about it in the New Testament. Hmm. Not that we want to mimic it, you know, action for action, word for word. You know, not that we're going to sell everything and give it to the church and then the church is going to disperse everything like they did in Acts. I hope that doesn't work out that way because, you know, no one wants to be Ananias or Sapphira and fudge on the numbers of giving and then be struck dead in a moment. But uh, so we're not trying to mimic 
everything that happened in, in Acts, but we want to look like, we want to be a church in awe of what God is doing. Right. We want to see people come to authentic faith in Christ that, that maybe never would have. But we also want to see people grow. You know, I, I'm a hill taker. Mm-hmm. I like to set a goal and meet it. Not everyone's wired that way. But for me, every person growing in their own faith so that they experience a calling on their own life to make a difference for the kingdom, that's part of impacting people for Christ. So yeah, there's, it's multifaceted, right? Um, but that's certainly what our passion is. Yeah. Now tell me a little bit about what... Uh, I know that you all do a lot of events uh, in, in the community, but I always like to ask the same question. Has uh, it made an impact on your church when maybe a group or whatever, and you were able to take them out of their environment overnight someplace? Does that make an impact on a church? We really only have one group that does that. Um, we do a ladies' retreat once a year. Everything else we do are pretty much can be done in a day, especially men. If we do stuff with men, it's hard to get them to, to get away. We've talked about doing other events, overnight events, but our ladies have been taking a retreat now for several years. And uh, I think the first couple were at Carson Springs. And um, the benefit that we've seen in that is just relationship building, things you can't do on a Sunday morning or in a small group environment. Right. Um, when you're just together for two or three days, most of their retreats are three days. And if you're new to our church, if you're a lady and you're new to our church and you go on a retreat, you immediately feel connected to many other ladies at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives them a chance to talk about things specific to them, their own needs, their own spiritual needs, you know, things that are relevant to their lives. And they get to focus on that. They get to get away from all their daily activities, their jobs many times their kids and their family responsibilities to just focus on themselves, which they don't really get an opportunity to do very often. Um, But it it binds them together, encourages them, and that has become one of the biggest events that happens every year at our church. The number of people that are involved, yeah, it's, it's been powerful for relationship building and just for them going deeper together. Yeah. Well, Mark, it's been it's been exciting to see over the years how God has used you and to impact, uh, especially Chattanooga, um, and 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 see you grow and God use you in great ways. And so, you know, I'm, I'm always excited about uh, seeing that happen. But I want to thank you for sharing with us just really about the exciting things that you're doing in your church and cooperation with other churches to make an impact in your community. Thank you also to our listeners today uh, for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you. Uh, If you have any questions for Mark or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you will look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.